What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always discovering how to make way more money and pay way less taxes. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of WealthAbility. So statistics in today's world are like, what in the world do I believe? We have, uh, you know, we have China gives us statistics and we go, do I believe those? We have Russia, they give us statistics, do I believe those? And then we have our, our own country, wherever we are, and we go, do I even believe the statistics I'm getting? And should I believe them? And, and, and when, when it seems like everybody's got their own set of statistics to prove their own point. And uh, this is, a, I, I know this is, this is not new, it's just in the news right now. And we have a very special guest. Uh, our guest is Tim Harford, who is the data detective and really the expert on explaining how statistics work and how we interpret statistics. So I'm very excited to have you uh, on the show, Tim. And if, if you don't mind, just give us a, you know, 30 to 60 minute, 60 second, excuse me, 30 second, 60 second background, what you've been doing and why you do what you do. Sure. I mean, I'm happy to give you the full one hour version of my bio <laughs> if you like, but who has time for that? So yeah, my name is Tim Harford. My most recent book is The Data Detective, 10 Easy Rules to Make Sense of Statistics. Uh, I'm also known for a book I wrote a few years ago called The Undercover Economist. I write a column for the Financial Times called The Undercover Economist, all about economic ideas in everyday life. And uh, I also uh, present uh, various BBC radio shows. One is about numbers. It's called uh, More or Less. One is about vaccinations. It's called How to Vaccinate the World. And I present a podcast called Cautionary Tales made by, Malcolm's Glad uh, made by uh, Malcolm Gladwell's company, Pushkin. And that's all about things going wrong and the lessons that we can learn. Oh, I like I like that. So so, you know, there's an old accounting joke, uh, Tim says, um, you ask an accountant what's two plus two. And the answer is, well, what would you like it to be? So that seems to be the way that statistics work, because it seems to me, I mean, in, in our country, the Republicans use statistics to prove that it was, you know, they were using it to say, well, look, statistics show that it's improbable that there wasn't fraud, right? I mean, that was, the, they were using those statistics showing that, wow, there's probably fraud here. So, you know, we've got a, a problem with the election and the Democrats are, you know, they're, they're using their own statistics for their own reasons. And we always seem to use statistics for own reasons from a macro level. So how do you make sense of it? How do you actually get through the statistics and say, what do I believe? What I, don't I believe? Or how do I use that? It's a great question. I mean, I think the, the first thing to point out is that we, we tend to do a lot better in thinking clearly about statistics when it's not in an atmosphere of political polarization. But what we believe and what we disbelieve is really overwhelmingly uh, governed by what our friends think, what our political leaders think, what the media sources that we're following uh, tell us, uh, by our preconceptions, by what we expect. And, and you get to this extraordinary 
situation where you have a, a smart Democrat who pays attention and is curious and is thinking, comes to a completely different conclusion to a smart Republican who pays attention and studies the sources and is thinking. And that just goes to show how, how overwhelmingly our emotions and our preconceptions uh, play a role. So in, in the book, The Data Detective, actually the very first piece of advice I give to people, there's, there's 10 pieces of advice. And you, you might think I'd be straight in there with, oh, check your sources or correlation is not uh, causation or some really complex technical argument, but actually my very first piece of advice is notice your emotional reaction. Mm -hmm. You're reading a, a, you're looking at a graph, you're reading a social media post, there's a media headline. You're, these things are designed to produce some kind of reaction, fear or triumph or disgust or anger, something. So just notice that. And the, after you've noticed it, after you've gone, oh, oh I seem to be a bit triggered by that, then go back and have another look. And immediately, I think you'll be thinking more clearly. Oh, I, I, I like that. You know, I always, uh, I always like to say that opinion is the is is where knowledge stops and learning stops, right? Once we get an opinion, then you know, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what statistics are, it doesn't matter what anybody else says because that's our opinion. So I love that that uh, test that you're using there. Look at your emotions because emotions really tell you there's an opinion in there somewhere um, that is is driving this as opposed to the actual data. So, okay, so once you've done that, what what are you looking at? So the next thing that I would suggest is you try you want to get the context. Like what is what is and by context, there's all kinds of questions you you could be asking. So that that could be things like, well, who's telling me this and what why are they telling it to me? But it can also be sometimes really simple questions like, what well, is that a big number or is that a small number? Like, how, how can I compare this to um, historical precedent? Like, is it going up or is it going down? Also, what exactly is being measured? So very often when you hear a statistic, you can get, you can do what, what I call premature enumeration. So you're straight in there, um, slicing and dicing and taking averages and plotting trend lines and so on. And you're not taking a step back and going, what are they actually measuring here? What are they actually counting here? So you think back to the financial crisis, 2008, there are lots of different reasons why that happened. But I think one of the reasons is that you had uh, complex models that were supposed to be making very finely tuned bets about risk. Well, when we say risk, what do we actually mean by risk and where are we how, how, where are we getting our measure of risk and by not asking that question seriously enough you have amazing mathematical models that produce junk answers so all of these things i would put under the the label of context well and, and it's to me it's a little like under under covid you know and it depends on how are you measuring that, right? I mean, I'm an accountant, so I'm always looking at, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So if, if I don't have, you know, what, like you say, what am I measuring? And if I'm looking at, for example, infections or even deaths from COVID, for example, um, what constitutes a COVID death, right? Because I think that it's been clear that different countries are taking a different approach on that. You know, is it is it solely yeah. COVID that caused the death, or was it really a COVID complicated some other disease that I had? And um, so, in the the U.S., for example, is taking a very broad approach on that. So, anything, anytime anybody had COVID, they died. That was a COVID death. And you know, there's an argument on both sides of that. 
But the reality is the tough part is then how do we compare that? And what, what I come back to is, is I like to look at statistics as a movie instead of a photograph. So to me, if, if I'm seeing the story as it moves along, that's much more interesting to me than if I look at a point in time. So how, what, is, is that a fair analysis, my question for you? No, I think it is. I think it is. I think one can take it too far because one of the, the key points I'm making in my book is that we are often invited to be excessively skeptical of statistics and go, oh, it's all just junk. It's all fake news. Um, whereas actually when you look at it, a, a lot of the, the most important discoveries in human history could only have been made through the use of statistics. So we can't get into the situation where we just go, oh yeah, I'm not, that can't be right. So you've got to take them seriously. You've got to look at what you can learn from them. But you're absolutely right. So a COVID death can mean different things and different countries use different definitions. So I've looked at this quite carefully for, for my own work. And so if you look, for example, at the UK, we have by some measures the worst COVID mortality of any country anywhere in the world with a possible exception of Belgium. So then let's look at that a little bit more closely. Is that really true? And the answer is it's, it's not it's not not true. It's not far off, but it's not exactly true. Belgium, for example, has a, a more expansive definition of COVID deaths in the UK. So they were, they were trying very hard, especially in the first wave, to make sure anything that could possibly have been considered a COVID death was included. And they paid the price for that in terms of a very high death toll. Um, but when you, if you adjust for that, if you recalibrate, did they still have a, a very high death toll? Well, yes, they did. But what about countries that are undercounting? So one example I would say is, is Russia. Russia, uh, it, it needs a, um, a post-mortem to say, yes, this was a COVID death. Now, I don't know what the pathologists and the coroners are saying in Russia, um, but I think it's quite possible that they're underplaying it. Or another example, Peru. If you look at just excess deaths, where we have good data on this, like just a load of people dying and we don't know why, way more than usual. Well, they're very, very high in Peru. There aren't very many official COVID deaths. Now, the most plausible explanation for that, there are different explanations. The most plausible explanation is it's probably COVID and it's probably undiagnosed COVID. So when I look at the, the statistics in the US, it's clear that a lot of the people who are, who are being registered as COVID deaths, a lot of them had other conditions. A lot of them were very elderly. But I think the fairest view of that is to say, it was that they would not have died at that point if it had not been for COVID. So very often the, the doctors will say, oh yeah, they died of, they died of um, COVID plus heart failure or COVID plus uh, respiratory failure. And then you go, well, why was there a respiratory failure? And the answer is, well, because of COVID. So COVID definitely, COVID definitely killed them. But you would also say, but actually the average age, I mean, in the UK, the average age of the people who've died is about 83. So... It's, it's this thing when you're in a political argument and you're trying to make some case that says, oh, COVID is like the worst thing that's ever happened or COVID is, is all just fake news. It's just nothing. It's, a, it's just a plot. When you're in those arguments, no one's getting any smarter. When you, when you take it seriously and you, and you look, you're able to hold different things in mind and to say, these COVID deaths are real and they are mostly being caused by COVID. But at the same time, the people who are dying are also very elderly and highly vulnerable. And both of those things can be true. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal 
and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, it's a, that, that's an interesting point because they say that it's uh, the hardest thing for any human to do is hold two opposing views at the same time and actually uh, look at both opposing views. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing right now. But let's bring this down to a little bit of a micro level. I'm, I'm a, a micro guy. I love the macro stuff. I love to talk about it. There's not a lot I can do about it. Whereas, yeah, I'm a micro guy too. I'm with you. <laughs> with the micro stuff in my business and in my investing, um, I can do something about it. And I actually find, you know, uh, um, when I look at numbers, I look at all numbers in the form of, they're really statistics because unless it's an absolute number, like how many dollars do I have in the bank, right? How many pounds do I have in the bank? Um, it's, it's more of, okay, so what's, what's going on? What's the pattern? And what do I need to do to improve that pattern or change that pattern or maintain that pattern? And uh, so what are some things we can do um, statistically, actually, to, to use statistics in our uh, investing in our, our business activities? Oh, it's a great question. I'm I'm smiling to myself because just this morning I was looking at uh, the it's an amazing history of a of an accountant you know, like you, an accountant Tom, who uh, but it's from uh, near Florence in 1396, and it's just his letters writing to his business associates and the insults he uses because they're they're getting confused about the numbers and they don't know what's going on. It's stuff like uh, you know you you could lose a crow in a bowl full of milk. I mean, what a, <laughs> What a smackdown. Or you, you could lose your way from your nose to your mouth. I, I love this. So these, these are these classic um, 14th century Italian insults from an accountant because his, his associates are just bungling the numbers. So this was making me smile. But so what advice can I give? Well, one, um, one piece of advice that I would give is, to, is that you need to try to combine the statistics with your personal intuition. And the wisdom comes when you've got both. So very often the statistics are giving you the bird's eye view. They give you the overview, they show you everything that's going on. Uh, at the same time, it's often quite, it's quite distant, it's quite thin, you miss a lot of detail. The, your personal experience talking to a customer, talking to an employee, just walking around and looking at the shop floor or just examining the, the details of a contract, you're gonna learn a lot more. But at the same time, it's a, it's a very, particular slice of what's going on. It's a biased slice. It's a narrow slice. So you need both of the, the bird's eye view and the view up close. Uh, combine the two and, and you get wisdom. The second thing I would say is be really careful when you're using statistics as performance monitors of other people. That's when things get really tricky because the moment, I mean, it's, I'm not saying don't ever do it. I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's, it's, dangerous. The reason it's dangerous is because the statistics are always missing something. And if you're just trying to understand the world, that's fine. The statistics will give you a good sense of what's going on. But the moment you try to control someone else's behavior through statistical means, they'll find ways to, to wriggle out. So the, the, a, an example I really like comes from the UK when the, the British government decided it wanted ambulances to show up faster. And it said, okay, what we want is in emergency cases, we want ambulances there within eight minutes of the call. We want, or rather, we want a first responder there within eight minutes of the call. And so all kinds of things started happening. One thing was, it was amazing how many, how many ambulances showed up 
at exactly seven minutes and 59 seconds. <laughs> it was kind of like the, the dispatcher, because the, they're, all, they're all trying to hit this, these performance targets and the, dis, the dispatcher's like, oh, it's nearly there, stop the clock. We'll just say it's there. So you just have people lying to you. Another thing that happened is they started going, well, hey, we could send, um, we could sell the ambulances, we could split up the ambulance crews and we could buy motorbikes or even uh, pedal cycles. And we could send out twice as many first responders on bikes instead of in ambulances. And it really works. I mean, then you do get people there faster. And sometimes that's really what you want. Like one expert paramedic with a bike, they're really fast. But it's not much use if you actually need to take someone to hospital. Another thing that happened is people would go, oh, okay, so this target only applies for critical calls. Uh, this, this case doesn't sound that critical, actually. So that people will start redefining cases. And worst of all, this is the thing, this is the real crime. You would blow through the target and, oh, the ambulance didn't get there within, within eight minutes. So this person's now been waiting nine minutes with a heart attack or whatever. And the dispatchers, this didn't happen that often, but there, are, there is evidence it sometimes happened. The dispatchers would go, okay, well, who's been waiting five minutes? Because we'll, we'll reroute the ambulance to them. So once people miss the eight minute slot, then it's like, well, you could be waiting an hour. That, that, that's one of the problems that I, I've seen. And I, I actually made this mistake in my business years ago um, where we, we were using numbers for performance. And what it did was it, it, it does change the performance. So people will perform to reach the numbers. And yeah. you have to be careful what you ask for, because sometimes, I mean, like we, what, what happened was, so we were, um, you know, we're very much about how much are we billing and how much time are we, you know, getting to the clients and, you know, how much time are we wasting all that kind of stuff. So very, very much an efficiency model. And what we found was, is that it becomes a, it became a very selfish, self-centered statistic because they got bonuses based on their performance and so forth. And what we ended up doing is uh, because I'm going, this is not working. You know, there goes your, the, the intuition, right? It didn't take much intuition. It was pretty clear. And I said, well, wait a minute. What do we really want? What do we really want? What we really want is a team effort. And so then we started rewarding the teams. The, the rewards became, um, it completely changed the environment. So I, 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 what I'm hearing you say, is, tell me if I'm, I'm hearing this right, is that sometimes uh, you got to be careful about using the numbers too much because it, it, at that point, you can actually drive behavior that you don't really want. Absolutely. It's one thing to try to measure people's performance by looking at the numbers. That'll give you a, a good sense of what's going on. But the moment you go, oh, we are actually going to tie your pay or your promotion to these numbers. Well, at that point, you can forget the idea that the numbers will tell you the truth because the moment the moment you're there paid to get whatever it is it's whether it's the five star review on amazon or whatever it is there's another way to get it without actually delivering the performance that you wanted they will find a way to hit the metric instead and this is a this is well known i mean there's a classic management text on the the folly of rewarding a while hoping for b there's a classic text in sociology there's a, a guy called donald campbell Campbell's law is all about this, that the moment you use this as a target, it's useless. And there's a similar idea in economics, Goodhart's law. And the fact that this same idea exists in sociology and economics and management tells you this is a real widespread problem. Hey, if you like financial education the way I do, you're going to love Buck Joffrey's podcast. Buck's a friend of mine. He's a client of mine. He's a former board certified surgeon. And 
he's turned into a real estate professional. So he has this podcast that is geared towards high paid professionals. That's who he's geared towards. So if you're a high paid professional, you're going, look, I'd like to do something different with my money than what I'm doing. I'd like to get financially educated. I'd like to take control of my money and my life and my taxes. I would love to recommend Buck Joffrey's podcast, which is called Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. I hope you join Buck on this adventure of a lifetime. I, I'd like to go back just for a second to your first point, which was the, the combination of, of statistics, numbers, and intuition. Um, because I found that when I make the most mistakes, it's not because I've, uh, it's not because of the numbers that I've made the mistakes because I didn't follow my intuition. And yeah. that, that it's that, that, that gut feeling that, wait a minute, I'm, is there, it's like just last night, literally just last night, um, I'm looking at, I, I get this feeling something's going on here. I, I need to look at this in my business. And so the very first thing I did was I sent out emails to, um, you know, to my, to my director and said, okay, where's the, what's the pattern? Is there a pattern here? If there's no pattern, it's not a problem. But if there's a pattern, that's something we need to think about. So sometimes to me, that it, the intuition actually even drives the need for the statistics. Yeah, absolutely. Now, and there's no, there's no silver bullet here. There's no single way, oh, you, you should always rely on your intuition or you should always look at the numbers. Right. There's, no, there's no guaranteed way. So when you think about this, one of, the, I mean, one of the classic ways of improving your intuition is to go to the data and use what's sometimes called the outside view. So this is an idea from the psychologist Daniel Kahneman. So I'll give you a specific example. Let's say, and this isn't a business example, this is a, like an everyday example, but maybe slightly in bad taste, but imagine you're sitting at a wedding and you see the, the happy couple are there and, and it's the, 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 the wedding breakfast, everyone is kind of enjoying the, uh, the, the happy day. And the, the guy sitting next to you turns to you and says, what's the chance they're gonna be divorced in five years? And you think to yourself, oh, that's such a tasteless thing to ask. How can you ask? And you start thinking, well, yeah, but I mean, do you see them argue? And, and you start thinking, what is the chance? But you're immediately thinking, what do I know about this couple? What do I know about their relationship? Whereas actually, the first thing you should be asking is, how often do couples split up in five, within five years? <laughs> like, that's the first question. Like, until you know that, until you know what's called the base rate, then you can have all the kind of personal intuition you like, but it's not it's going nowhere because you haven't, you haven't got the right sort of box to put it in. So you go to the data and that gives you a, a, a starting point. So, so it's almost like you have to look at the macro before you get to the micro. Yeah. But the common yeah, sense. I mean, the, the, I mean because the, the, for example, so if I look at the, if I look at the market, I want to look at the market before I look at my own personal investment, because the market data might tell me, well, you know what, this is the way this market performs and it's unlikely you're going to you know, way outperform that market. Um, whereas, you know, maybe I need, so maybe the real answer I need to be in a, in a, in a different market, market or a bigger market. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you need that overall data. You need the statistical context to inform your intuition. And you, now you might go, okay, well, maybe it should just all be statistics. Maybe we hand the whole thing over to, to the robots, right? And we don't, well, I mean, maybe, I mean, there are trading strategies that sometimes seem to make sense, but without that, just that sense check from the human, I think it is very easy for the, for the algorithms to get things wrong. I just saw a, a wonderful example today. So you know algorithms now are really good at, at looking at photos and just figuring out what's in the photo. It's amazing. 
you just show them a photo of a, of a dog and they're like, it's a dog. You show them a photo of a wolf and you say, it's a wolf. Um, and they, they'll, they'll figure it out. Well, somebody realized that if you, let's say you show somebody a photo of an apple and the algorithm will go, that looks like an apple. But if instead you write with pen and paper, iPod, and you just put that label iPod next to the apple, and then you show that photo to the computer, the computer just immediately goes, well, you know what? Whenever something has writing next to it that says iPod, like that's a really strong signal that it's an iPod. And so the computer will 99%, it's amazing, the computer will 99% go, uh, must be an iPod. It says iPod. Like there's no sense check at all. It's just going statistically, whenever I look at a photo and it says a word, like next to the thing, then the word is the thing. That's what always happens. So you can, you can fool computers in the most straightforward way. So the, the superpower is to, get the, is to get the data, is to get that algorithmic insight, but is to combine it with, with human intuition as well. It's not easy, but you can do it. As you know, financial education is critical when it comes to creating wealth, passive income, and saving on taxes. Gain expert knowledge as Marco Santorelli shares valuable insights and proven strategies for making money with real estate on the Passive Real Estate Investing Podcast. Over the last five years, his guests have included Robert Kiyosaki, Mark Victor Hansen, Garrett Sutton, Brendan Burchard, Jim Rogers, and yours truly, Tom Wheelwright, just to name a few. If you're a busy person looking for actionable advice on the road to financial freedom, then this is the podcast for you. Available on every podcast platform or simply visit PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com. That's PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com. So really my big takeaway um, from our discussion here, uh, Tim, and thank you for this, is, is really using uh, statistics and numbers with my intuition. So doing that combination seems to me, uh, it makes total sense to me that that, that would be very powerful. Um, any, uh, any final words you'd like to share with our viewers? Well, let me try and boil down the, the, uh, the advice in the data detective to, to the three C's, because I give you 10 rules, and actually I give you 11 rules, because there's a bonus golden rule at the end. But to keep it really simple, when you're thinking about numbers, the three C's are calm, context, and curiosity. So calm is that thing we discussed, notice your emotional reaction, and try and interpret all the data calmly, rather than in the light of kind of some argument or some preconception. The second thing is, is context, just asking questions like, is it big or is it small? Is it going up or is it going down? What comparisons make sense? And what, what's the definition behind the number? And the final thing is curiosity. Just always asking yourself, well, what is this telling me about the world? Rather than, oh, how can I use this to win an argument with my wife or with my coworkers or with my friends um, or on Twitter? Instead of using numbers as weapons, using them as windows onto the world to help us make more intelligent decisions. Calm, context, curiosity. I think that's, you don't need to buy the data detective now, but you know, I suggest that you do anyway. <laughs> oh, no, for sure, for sure. We need to buy the data detective. You, you, um, it's, it's not easy to make statistics interesting and fun. You, you've done a great job. Um, where else, uh, you talked about uh, your podcast. People wanna know more about what you're doing and your work, Tim, where would they go? Sure, so my name is Tim Harford and my website, timharford.com. I'm on Twitter and yeah, the podcast, check it out. Wherever you get your podcasts is Cautionary Tales. Cautionary Tales. You have it. So here's the, here's the great thing. When, you know, when we, when we look at statistics and are able to interpret them and combine them with our intuition, uh, what we're 
I think we're always going to be sure of is that we're always going to make way more money and pay way less. <laughs> well, thank yeah, well, I'll, I will. I, I endorse that message. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. See you next time. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.